0: Welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, aka the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. We're back. We're back together. I took a couple weeks off. Um, it's been a crazy couple weeks. My, my wife got offered a new job that was like two hours from us, so we had to like pack everything up. We have the newborn almost three months now, and so it was a chaotic two months or two weeks. But finally, we've, we've moved. I'm actually doing a gig in San Fran right now, um, and things are good. Although, pro tip, don't move when your baby just had four vaccines. Oh, my gosh. What? What happened? <laughs> so, like, I think we moved on a Wednesday, and he had his two-month checkup on Tuesday. and And the doctor was like, okay, it's vaccine time and he was and the doctor was like he's either going to be really sleepy or he's going to be really fussy well we got we got the really fussy part <laughs> and that was yeah, it was pretty crazy, and he was pretty fussy on the moving day. Luckily, we had movers, which was great, but, like, I mean, moving is already just a stressful event, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, for sure. And this made it, like, ten times worse. But, luckily, we're all moved in, which is nice. Uh, we're staying with my in-laws for the time being, and then we're going to start house hunting in Fort Collins. It'll be really it'll be exciting. Dude, sick. Because the Fort Collins area is dope. Yeah, we, we already, like, went to New Belgium. We, already, oh. uh, we went to another brewery. Oh. Like, we're only minutes away from where parents live. So that's really nice. And it's also really nice being in a like in a place that we might be in for a while. Mm -hmm. I think you know Reese is like being a a performer. It's like you, you can never settle into a city. And I feel like this is the first time that Logan and I can actually, like, settle into a city and, like, embrace it. So, oh, yeah, that'll sure. be nice. I'm really, I'm looking forward to that because, it's like, beer culture is just insane in Fort Collins. And it'll be nice Wait, to be part of it. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Lol. How about you, Reese? What's going on? How how was the two weeks that I was gone? Thanks for holding the four down. Dude, of course. Of course. Let me see. What did we do? So, two weeks ago
1: was the Seahawks recap episode, wasn't it? Yeah. And then did we just not do an episode this last week? Mm, no, we, we, we you posted. No, you posted one. So, yeah, we did one together. Then we did the Seahawks recap episode. Then it's this week. Okay. Sorry. Time flies when you go into the new year. Whoa. Nice. Oh, yeah. And I mean,
0: it was Christmas and New Year, so.
1: Yeah, but for real, for real. So, no, it's it's been good. So, Noelle and I actually, over Christmas, I kind of mentioned this in the podcast, we went up to Iowa to see my family. It was it technically it was a Kansas City family Christmas rotation, but my older sister from Madison, Wisconsin was coming down and my younger sister and brother-in-law from North Carolina were coming up, so it was kind of a plans change situation. So, yes. it was it was terrifying and exciting because this was Bowie's longest trip away from Kansas City. I think Honestly, I think the longest he's gone was either when we picked him up from that farm in Kansas and brought him back or when we vacationed down to the Missouri Ozarks in October. So those are both about two hours-ish. But this was like with stops, you know, like a full five-hour trip up to Iowa. So we're like, how's he going to do it? He did okay on the trip. Problem two, uh, my parents did not have a fenced-in yard. So they knew that my sister's dog was coming, who he's about to turn four, but he was like rambunctious growing up so they and last time he came he was about two and a half and he was just like a lovable nightmare but a nightmare uh bowie's 10 months old and also a nightmare but a lovable nightmare so it's just like great it's gonna be a dog tornado so my parents had made the decision as like an investment on the house they're like okay we already have a big back fence that's kind of a, a guarding fence uh away from like the highway that runs behind him so like okay we'll pay some people to come in and install basically like two sides of a fence to connect to that so we have a fenced in yard helps the resale value it's great so the people they contacted kept, like, kicking it down the road. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And it's like, well, you got to get to it soon because it's going to freeze in Iowa and you can't get the ground, you know, oh, no. augered up to install the fence. So 11th hour, the fence gets installed. So we're like, fantastic. Now, the reason that's such a big deal is, I don't know what the weather was like in Colorado. Did you guys get that mega blizzard over Christmas?
0: Uh, no. Well, we got some snow, but we didn't get it as bad as you. I mean, you guys, like, were the dead of the blizzard. It was, like, the entire state of Missouri and the entire state of Iowa.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to say, you know, we we didn't get, like, buffalo levels of snow in Iowa. I think they probably got, like, eh, four inches in Cedar Falls. But the thing was, with wind chill, it was something like negative 36. So it was, like, dangerous levels. So thankfully, with that fence, we could toss the dogs outside for, like, five and ten minutes increments and just kind of beat each other up. Uh, So that was great. I also went to single speed in Waterloo. Which is fantastic. Uh, I had a a pilsner there. It was called like Party Town Pils, which you know
0: it was it was surprisingly good. But kind of like you were talking about before we started recording, is it was like a really hoppy pilsner. Yeah, Reese. So I I just went to this brewery by myself. Well, actually, I'll just say who it is. It's fine. Twenty First Amendment in San Francisco. Um, I mean, like, look the beer the beer's good. i have just like I just have a gripe with like if you only have one lager on tap or you have one pilsner on tap. It should be the style, right? You shouldn't try to make it into this like, oh, this cool hoppy thing or like it's a little sour. It's a little limey. Like just make like a chill beer because a lot of times um, not 100% of the people that come to your brewery are going to be craft beer lovers that are trying to do something different. Half the time, it's like half of a family is craft beer nerds and the other just want to have like a chill beer. So if you don't have a chill beer on tap, like, No one's going to want to come to your brewery. You have to appeal to just someone that wants a regular pilsner. And not only that, but like clean pilsners are also very popular with beer nerds, particularly myself. Like I want a clean pilsner. Uh, After that, I went to original patterns in in Oakland with Fountain fantasy favorite Stone Cold Chief Austin. And we had a fantastic time. Mm. And their Czech Pilsner was solid. I mean, just like an amazing, clean beer. They just won a, a few things at GABF as well. Uh, they didn't have it on tap, unfortunately. But like, that's a you know, always have a clean beer because craft beer nerds will respect you, and just the regular person will also respect you.
1: No, I totally agree. Every brewery needs to have one beer that's a don't think, just drink beer. Otherwise, what are you doing? It's like I don't necessarily want a quadruple peanut butter porter or something like that. <laughs> right. <You> know, it's- <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you had a good time out in the Bay Area with Stone Cold Chief Austin. Uh so that's kind of a late Christmas present. Did you get any cool Christmas presents during
0: Christmas? Yeah, I'm wearing one right now. I'm wearing my uh my, my AirPods. Um for those of you well, I get I guess if you go back to our to our YouTube channel, you'll see my like debacled uh beats. That like still worked very well. It's just like there was no there was nothing left to them, and I always had to patch the like foam on the right hand side of the of the earbud, and it was it, it never worked. So finally got some airpods from Logan shout out to logan great christmas present um what else did i get let's see well i got an xbox um really a month ago during um I, I got well we've talked about my other Xbox debacle remember when I got scammed on Amazon
1: oh yeah the scam Amazon one yeah of course I,
0: I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but basically I found like on Black Friday it was the number one selling thing that day was an $80 uh, Xbox X series or the S series whichever one is like the least Amount of data on it, um, it's still brand new. So I was like, hey, it's good? This is too good to be true." I bought it right away. I, I sent, I sent Reese the link, and literally two days later, it was like, "You have been scammed. Your money will be refunded." But this is a fake. You know, this is a fake site. Which is like, "Come on, Amazon! Like, Amazon is like one of the, you know, you guys have the most money in the entire world. How how do you let scammers like own Amazon on, on Black Friday?" Right. So anyway, uh, that sucked. But then I ended up buying uh, an Xbox at Target um and it's been great so that was like an early birthday present because I we wanted to get a deal on it before christmas mm-hmm. how about you what are what are some fun reese gifts you got you know honest to goodness
1: i, I may mention this before i have a brand of soap i really like <laughs> what? Have, I, have, have i told you about duke Cannon? <laughs> no so here's the thing it's my goal body pot- soap
0: or something like particular like face soap or something
1: uh, they, they kind of make a, a variety of quote men's grooming products but like it's a small company based out of minneapolis but all of their stuff, the best way to describe it is it's kind of like the Wendy's of soap in the sense of they have they have names for their soap like Naval Supremacy and like Leaf and Leather and, you know, like Lumberjacks just, this Kiss. This is the most
0: race thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: But the thing is, I was originally turned on by it because I have incredibly sensitive skin and bar soap and me do not get along. But this was like the first really? bar soap I ever used three years ago that I'm like, wow, this doesn't just like absorb all the moisture in my skin and make me feel terrible. Uh, you, you've probably seen it before. Every year in Target, uh, they have, pardon my French, it's called the Big Ass Lump of Coal. You ever seen that? Okay. Uh, I guarantee you you'll see it now because it's like coals like in Target every holiday season It comes out. And that's kind of like where they start getting their footing. But uh, I felt like a total adult because I, a few people in my family don't you know, ask, like, what do I want for Christmas? Want for Christmas. I'm like, I want some Duke can of soap. And, you know, my Christmases went by. I had, like, three of them this year. And, like, they went by, and no one had got me Duke Cannon soap. So I'm just like, oh, I'm like, this is cool. Like, I'll buy it myself. But, like, I needed more, and I was holding out because I'm like, I don't want to buy some online and then just get, like, duplicates, you know, potentially gifted to me. And the final Christmas, final gift from my brother-in-law, I open up this package, and it's a box set of Duke Cannon soaps. Oh,
0: man. What but a it's, guy.
1: But it's the beer box. So they have one. They have partnerships with... uh. Old Milwaukee, Schlitz, I think, Bush, uh, Budweiser. They used to do one with the shoots. They also have a Buffalo Trace bourbon one in there, which was super cool. But, I mean, I was stonked out of my mind to get these soaps and it, even though they're a minnesota company i'm sure they support the vikings you know they support the timberwolves all those guys i want
0: i want to be a, a, a duke Cannon sponsored podcast one day It's because they're, they're so legit let's do it man we got that one we got montucky what else do we have we have to get up down to sponsor us well what was that second one you said montucky <laughs> montucky so armando i actually
1: got you a little something for christmas what yeah uh so i went deep into the archives and uh, i thought we have our cold back take back set, cold snack take back segment but we need something to go under it you know it's so, like we're talking it's like you know it's a segment you know this week's oh, power rankings a, you
0: created a jam didn't you
1: yeah you know like what's it the you know best 60 seconds of football that <laughs> you know that, that always plays under. he's like back 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 so i have composed our unofficial official theme song of the montucky cold snack take back
0: oh my goodness this is gonna be the best christmas present ever
1: i just sent it over to you uh you should pull it up and give it a listen
0: all right let me give it a listen and i'll put it on so that the viewers can hear it too on my microphone <laughs> <laughs> what was that dude, it's a horse
1: there's big a big horse in the front of the Rex. can oh yeah dude the the Tyrannosaurus Bronco. Even though, Montucky's based out of Montana, though, so I don't know if their Broncos fans are like... I wonder if they're (laughs) Seattle fans. Who knows?
0: Dude, I feel like I have to wear like a a leather jacket and sunglasses when I do a Colts night take back.
1: Dude, it might be mandatory now, I think, Mondo. Yeah, dog. So, just imagine this going under here, you know, when we're making an apology for something we called wrong. Because there's nothing...
0: I'm I'm getting some uh, uh, what's, oh shoot the, the the Godzilla theme song oh Damn, uh, uh Rage Rage Against a Machine I'm getting some Rage Against the Machine Godzilla vibes right now oh totally I feel that oh, I feel like that Did you compose this guitar solo Oh gosh I would was <laughs> <so. laughs> like how the hell did you midi that Yeah I've actually played guitar my whole life Yeah
1: That's not played really chords but. Yeah, dude, cracking the ice cold Montucky. We'll have a cold snack take back and apologizing for things we got wrong.
0: Yeah, that's funny, dude. That, that, that's great. You you definitely have to capitalize on your on your uh, composing skills and start making some jingles, man.
1: Dude, jingle jangles. Yeah. So I'll, I'll this is this is our official first pitch to Montucky. Dear Montucky, please, we would love to be the unofficial official podcast of Montucky Cold Snacks.
0: We will, we will do you a service. We will never do any beer interviews with any other brewery ever again. <laughs> Exclusively, Montucky. We'll, we'll interview every single Montucky employee. Like, every week will just be a new Montucky interview. Including Vice HR. <laughs> and now we have Roy Johnson, janitor at Montucky Beer Showsman. <laughs> so oh, there man. you have it. Okay. So there you have it. Reese, um... Tell tell people if they're if they're enjoying what they listen to. How can they contribute to our podcast? How, where can they find us on social media? If you like what you're
1: hearing and you want to contribute to the cause, uh, you can go to patreon.com backslash fcsm for outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive miniseries, including Speedy and Angry, which as of January 1st, I believe we updated season or it's not season episode seven of the series Furious Seven. Uh, Furious 8 is cut and scheduled to go live in the coming days on Patreon. And uh, the Rad Russian Alex Nikolenko and I also got together and recorded the spin off episode Hobbs and Shaw. So that's an editing phase right now. And that will be showing up on Patreon very soon. But for the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can get access to that mini series, Season Zero, and more at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Don't forget to check us out and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Fountain City SM if you like dank memes and previews of every week's episode so check us out interact with us we love interacting with you it's just a thing we do
0: bada bing thank you reese um okay so we we wanted to start out the podcast in a in a light note and talk about christmas talk about new year uh but we're going to segue into what happened on monday night Uh, just talk about it briefly because reese and i are not doctors reese and i are not equipped to like really talk about, you know, someone's health, but it's important for us to talk about it cuz it's really like a moment in sports history that we're never going to forget. So it's good for us to document, you know, our own thoughts on it um and have it forever really. So uh so on Monday night the, the Bills Bengals game, you had uh, DeMar Hamlin was um administered CPR. DeMar Hamlin's 24. He was on the field Monday night for multiple minutes after he collapsed following his tackle of Bengals wide receiver T Higgins. Uh, Hamlin received oxygen, according to ESPN, as he was placed into an ambulance and taken off the field for some 16 minutes after he collapsed, and then he was driven to the hospital. He is still in critical condition. He had cardiac arrest, um, and we're still uh, we're we're filming this right now on Wednesday afternoon. And as far as we know, he's kind of he's still in critical condition. Um, I know there's reports out there that his that his health has improved, um, but that's not official yet. So we'll wait to hear official stuff and what the NFL is going to do right now. Uh, the Bengals and Bills game is not going to be resumed this week, so we don't know if that's going to be resumed at all uh, But again, that's not the thing that matters at this point. It's really the health of DeMar Hamlin uh, Safety for the Buffalo Bills. So Reese, let's just talk about it a little bit um, Because it was just like a moment in history that I think we're never going to forget um, What did you see on the field and when did you see that it was serious? so admittedly I didn't see him collapse I know I, I think like everybody
1: else you know we noted when they, they're like oh you know and a player down on the field you know we'll go check out on it and then the first time they showed the replay of it I'm like well you know it's probably a guy who I, you know don't mean to take his like i like he probably got his bell rung you know or like he hits on the turf or maybe he got like Vulcan sure. neck pinched you know like Mahomes did against uh, against the Browns in the playoffs a few years ago but yeah. I watched the replay and I I'm like I'm waiting for his head to get like whiplashed or hit the field or something. It never happens, and then he gets up and then he just falls over like he took a phantom uppercut from somebody. And I mean, ha- half sarcastically, not you know I'm not a uh, to take it late, but I was just like I'm like oh my gosh, I'm like did that guy die? And I, you know they come back from commercial break and there's an ambulance on the field and the players are all crying and I'm like holy crap, I'm like I think this guy may have died. And yeah. I, I'm still I'm still trying to figure out. I'm like I'm like what what on earth could have caused it. Uh, you know, my initial thought, again, being an armchair amateur or armchair amateur, you know, I, I kind of wondered something to do with his heart. I'm like, did he get like hit in the chest or something like that? Or did he have, you know, some sort of like heart stoppage guy? I just couldn't think of anything from that play that would have caused that kind of reaction. So I'm like, this has to be a freak something. Uh, but that, that was my initial reaction. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't see the play in real time either. I think ESPN had panned somewhere else, and then we saw that he was on the field. So at first, I was just like, man, Bills have bad luck with their secondary. I mean, everyone's getting injured. So I, I even messaged uh, the group chat, and I was like, man, Bills can't catch a break. And then when they came back from from commercial, and he was still on the field, and I was like, okay, well, this is a little more. I didn't – I didn't, and then I saw that, that he – he had fainted, it looked like he had fainted, and I was like, okay, well maybe they're, you know, they're just trying to administer an injury, then seeing the player's reaction, that's when I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is bad, like, seeing Josh Allen look, and, like, he was getting teared at that point, and he had his hands over his face as well, and I was like, he's not trying to cover what he's trying to say, like, it literally looks like he's in shock, so at that point, I was like, yeah, he's probably getting CPR right now, Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I knew it was serious, and because we've never seen an ambulance on the field, right? We've seen no. people getting carted away on the field, but an ambulance having to go on the field was the very first time that I had ever seen that in professional sports. I mean, I can't even, I can't think of even an NBA game or soccer or baseball where an ambulance had to drive onto the fields. So that's when I was like, I I don't know what's going on. I, th- I also was like, maybe he, you know, unfortunately, if he died on the spot, like I thought maybe that had happened as well. Yeah. Um, And then when Joe Buck had said they were administering CPR for like 12 like nine minutes, I was like, oh, that's that's really bad. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like that's beyond bad. So, I mean, it was a crazy time. And like for us as fans and for the players and everyone to like and even the commentators, right, Booger and Adam uh, Scheffner. We were all going through like the shock and processing and at the same time that was that was wild because I also thought that they were going to resume the game it like I knew how serious it was but it had happened it was so shocking what had happened I in my brain I was like oh they're they're probably just going to resume the game you 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 even saw Stefan Diggs like trying to rally the team you saw uh, Sean McDermott also like take a knee and tell everybody to kind of get get back into the zone Um, But then um, I didn't see it but Lisa Salter Said that like during that then Players started to dissipate from That circle like they Mm -hmm. were like really Jazzed and then it hit them again they're like Wait a minute like our teammate might might be dead So then like so then people Just started leaving the bench or like would Not get up from the bench so That was also like the craziest thing I've ever Seen as well not only the freak accident But also seeing the players just like give up Essentially they're like there's No way I can get back on the field and that's when, like, I think all of us collectively as, like, human beings were like, wait a minute, we this this game can't go on, like, there's no way. So, like, it, it took a while, and it was really fascinating for me um, in a negative way. I mean, not in, like, a positive way, but just as, like, in a sad way. How we were, like, all of us were like, okay, everything's gonna be fine. And then we're like, wait a minute, no, this, this just happened. Like, this is incredibly sad. Um, so crazy. I mean, one of the craziest things I've seen in sport. It might be the the saddest thing I've seen. E- even if he survives, like even if you know things go well, that's still the the scariest thing I've seen on the field. Because even with like ACL injuries and concussions, like there's protocols in place. But when someone's heart stops, like there's no protocol there. It's like literally you 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 go from like you know for example. It, in, in a concussion state, you go from like, well, this person's going to have affecting, you know, lasting injuries for the rest of their life, where this is like, we're just trying to get this guy to survive. And that's, you know, again, craziest thing I've seen on TV, on TV, really live. So um, yeah, it was, it was strange, strange to go through, but um glad we were able to talk about it.
1: No, it, it definitely was sad. I felt like the adrenaline shakes and everything and just, it, it was, I think one thing is kind of like you mentioned, we, we've all seen terrible injuries, you know, and things like uh, the, the player from Louisville, uh, where? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: is where as well, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Anthony? When, and something like that. Like when he, when he, like his shin bone snapped, or like when Gordon Hayward's ankle folded on him, or Alex Smith a couple years ago, you know, you always see like one or two guys who are like crying, you know, especially like the, like, the really close friends of that player, you know, are crying. It's understandable, but, like everybody here. Was crying and everybody looked like they had just walked through the beach on D Day, the beginning of Saving for Ryan, you know, and that's why to me it was. <laughs> I know they're doing their best, but I thought it was kind of tone deaf when they're like, "Okay, it's gonna be five minutes warm up, and then we're gonna get back to yeah. this." And I'm like, "Yo, had you guys been like fifteen minutes warm up, see how you're feeling?" You know, I think a quarter hour again, not to restart the game, but five minutes and go is I won't say heartless, but it's pretty tone deaf.
0: Yeah, and also and. NFL put out a statement saying that that never happened. No one ever said five minute warm up. Warm <laughs> up. BS. So just like uh, I'm sorry, but players' associations going to be on you guys, and like there, there's going to be a full investigation and 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 re, repercussions after that because the NFLPA is it, it's at its strongest now. They have, I mean, they have the high ground in this situation because you know you've done this to their health and like yeah, there there's going to be people that are going to have to answer to the to what happened. And don't you gaslight me, dude. I
1: saw Joe Burrow and I'm pretty sure Josh Allen throwing on the sidelines with their helmets on, you know, looking like they're kind of limbering up to get back on the field. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like when when they said that they that no one had said there was going to be a five minute break and resume the game, why did Stefan Diggs then do his speech? Why did Sean McDermott, you know, take the knee and try to get everybody back? Like there's there's evidence that someone said something that this game was going to resume. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I mean the, the aftermath of this whole situation, obviously the, the biggest thing is, is Damar Hamlin's health. But after that, all the other things that like have to happen and go in place are just like there's there's going to be a lot going on in the next couple of weeks and the, this next year, you know. I think I think the NFL is if I think it has the biggest magnifying glass it's ever had on the NFL and player safety. You know, not only DeMar Hamlin, but something lesser of Tua, you know, Tua having three concussions in 3 months like mm. things are not good for the NFL and like but uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens and hopefully something positive comes from this terrible situation.
1: And I think <sighs> It's going to be a little apples to oranges and they'll have to play this very delicately because like you mentioned with the concussions, the concussions to me involve player safety and actually pretty gross negligence on the side of the Dolphins cuz as far as I'm concerned the Dolphins have screwed that situation up at least twice. You can't you can't stop a guy from getting three concussions, but when they like sent him back out there the first time before the major concussion issue and then the fact that like they didn't identify any sort of concussion the next time like no, as far as I'm concerned you guys screwed up. What makes this one so different, and they said this multiple times too in the broadcast, you know, in radio broadcasts afterwards, is that there was nothing dangerous about this play. It was a pretty rudimentary tackle, all things considered. So, it, it I mean, again, being an amateur doctor right here, it's to me this might scream that maybe he had an undiagnosed condition, that getting that kind of hit jarred it. Just spitballing here is like, I'm trying to think what the the Players Association and the league can do going forward. It's like maybe they have more protocols and tests for testing for players for these kind of conditions. You know, see really what's going on in the inside as opposed to how you're looking on the outside and if you're passing a a concussion protocol. But, you know, I'm not exonerating the league. I mean, football is a dangerous sport. We know it. But just like the commentators were saying, pretty routine looking tackle. Never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like this in rugby as a, you know, a rugby fan myself. And that, that looked like a pretty routine rugby tackle. So I just don't know what they can do going forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we're going to find out more I think one theory as well is like your heart goes through certain cycles and during one cycle if you get hit during that cycle then the heart can stop immediately. But the chances of that happening is like literally it has to happen within milliseconds of when that change happens. So I mean that's beyond freak accident that is like 0.0000001 chance of it happening. Um, so I guess we'll we'll wait to see what actually happened but it, it's, it's concerning. Well, I know the, the one thing that you've
1: probably seen get thrown around is, uh, that, that, uh, conditioned Commodio Cortis. You seen that?
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's what, yeah.
1: Did you hear about the hockey player back in 98 who took a puck to the chest and like the exact same thing happened?
0: Really? No, I didn't.
1: I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll show you the video. I wouldn't say it's as gruesome as the Hamlin injury. Cause the fact that Hamlin gets up, you can't see his face and then he falls down. But it is very similar. A hockey player took a slap shot right to the chest, and as the commentator said, like, oh, it's pretty close to his heart. And, like, it kind of looks like he gets the wind knocked out of him, but then he just, like, like, kind of puts his hands on his knees and just, like, face plants onto the ice. He he wow. was never – I don't think he was ever out the way that Hamlin was out, but, like, he collapses the same way after taking a, a shot to the chest. So. Wow. I know that's kind of being floated around there. I hope that's all it is. I mean, I hope all it is is terrible, terrible bad luck and timing, and that he recovers and that they got him on you know life support and oxygen. Because I know those first forty-eight hours after a heart injury just yeah the worst. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let, let's put a cap on it there. Prayers to DeMar Havilland, prayers to the Bills, Bills fans um, and all the NFL. And we really hope that, you know, things things are positive from here and that, you know, if if the NFL needs to make improvements on player safety, do it. But if it was something freak accident, we learn from it and hopefully it never happens again. But yeah, prayers mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to segue. But uh, again, Reese and I are not. You know, we're not medical experts and no. we're not trained. We're not even trained sports <laughs> announcers or sports analysts. So let's let, let's transition to things that we know better and can like really talk a little bit better. The Chiefs. Um. So so the Chiefs win an unfortunate another damn nail biter with the Broncos. Man, it pisses me off. Uh. But Kansas City Chiefs beat the Broncos 27 to 24. I think our streak now is 12 games in a row 14 games in a row 15 no, sorry, my 15. friend sorry 15 straight games that we've beat the Denver Broncos uh pretty crazy times but uh unfortunately the Broncos have things to look forward to in our next matchups because we just we keep them in the game every single time and it pisses pisses us off i know reese um like 3 weeks ago you said i just can't wait to see a Kansas City Chiefs game where we where we beat him in the beginning. We beat him in the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter, and it just everything's okay. And we still haven't we still haven't seen that game yet. So uh so that kind of pisses us off. But anyway, why why don't we talk about the bad stuff first and then end, end with some good stuff. Reese, do we have the worst special teams in the NFL right now?
1: Uh it's up there. It's I would say right about as bad as the Packers were last year. So I don't know if we need to sign Bissacha and get rid of Tobe in the offseason, but I mean, it's it's going to wind up costing us a game. We're playing on house money. We've missed uh, way too many PATs this year. Way too many fumbled kickoff returns, punt returns, got caught with our pants down, all those things going on. And, I mean, you you saw it today. We won 27-24. Had, man, had Tommy Townsend not boffed that snap and potentially boffed the second one, which caused it to be partially blocked, I heard. That's four extra points. That could be 31-24 final score. If Kadarius Tony doesn't fumble inside like the 15-yard line, that's another 7 points. Realistically, if the Chiefs just execute and play a very basic game and stop shooting themselves in the foot, the final score of this game is 31-17. And if you want to take it even another step further of coulda, woulda, shoulda, Patrick Mahomes throws an interception in the end zone that later gets turned into a touchdown. So if he, does, if he doesn't have the interception, they're probably kicking for at least 3 there. This game could have realistically been 34-10 if we just executed and stopped shooting ourselves in the foot
0: yeah i mean it like at this point I remember when we were first talking about the special team woes and like we were always trying to dissect every single one and say, oh, well, this happened. Oh, you know, this happened. It was a fluke thing. Well, Butker's recovering from injury, you know, from the Arizona game. Like there's there's zero excuse anymore, Reese, like Mm -hmm. everything that's happening. We're at the end of the season. We're having teams like the Broncos, the Jags, um, who else? The Colts, like these teams that are awful, that are locking in and like are really... Um, are really like finding their stride and it seems like us that we are Super Bowl contenders this offense is one of the best offenses that we've seen in the NFL um, and it's inexcusable that we're seeing this downturn from a special teams like there there is no excuse we're at the end of the season where like all these mistakes should be done with right mm-hmm. like we, we shouldn't see Tommy Towns and put laces in our laces out or like you know botch the ball you rarely see that even in co- I was just watching like s- some of the college football games and some of their punt returners are like some of the best that I've ever seen. Why? Why a, a 18-year-old kid from from California that plays for USC is doing better than Kadarius Tony, doing better than Sky Moore, doing better than Macol hardman was. You know, the, there there has to be something going on. And like like Dave Tube has to be held accountable at this point. I know spy I know we're always on spags, but it's kind of a no-brainer that we're gonna have to let go of of Tube and like we have to move on. It's there is zero excuse.
1: Well, I think one thing about this team in general that kind of goes to the whole season is that i don't want to say they feel complacent because i don't think it's the right word but maybe it's they feel stale like defense it's been figured out like people know how to dunk on this defense and they know that T- to me remember i don't know if this is in madden but in like the old ncaa football games at like timeouts you had the choice to choose your game plan there were three there were like three tiers there was aggressive which was kind of like boomer bust big plays but you're also prone to like giving up fumbles 90s and and there was like neutral and there was conservative, which was just kind of control clock and sneak points. The problem yep. with our defense is that Spaggs is constantly set on, like, the aggressive boomer bust mode. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just going to send people. And if we sack them, we sack. And if we don't, they're going to find holes in our zone and blow us up for big plays. And it's like, great, this isn't getting old at all. And then on offense, you could say it's almost like the reverse of the problem in that they're going all conservative. But instead of going conservative with the run, they're going conservative with the pass. So that offense has gotten incredibly stale this year. We saw fewer runs this week from Isaiah Pacheco who'd yeah, been killing it. This was the fewest carries he's had in the last 6 weeks. 9 carries for 31 yards. Why did we stop feeding Pacheco this game? It makes no sense. And then you've already talked about the special teams. So I mean, I know it's completely unrealistic and I don't I don't want to sound like heartless and be like, "Ah, fire the whole team." But it's just like, dude, it's like I I don't want this to become the next Aaron Rodgers where you just kind of go year to year and say, okay, it's good enough, and if we if we play well, it won't matter. It's like, no, we need to switch something up so we can just you know play well in general.
0: Yeah, I I I don't really understand why they did that, and and we saw a perfect perfect example of what happens when you don't do the running game. Like at the end of the first quarter, we have Patrick Mahomes throwing, 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 throwing. So then when he gets into the red zone. He's trying to make a play and he's trying to play hero ball for no reason. Like it's six to three. It's in the first quarter. Why are we not utilizing the running game that was working right? Like Isaiah Pacheco, nine carries for 31 yards, three uh, averaged about three yards. Um, It's not great, but that's not a reason to stop the running game, especially when you know that like everyone can just drop back into coverage, right? Like, like that's, that's what happened in the red zone. And then Pat makes a stupid mistake and tries to throw it, like throws away under to Justin Watson and gets an interception. Like those things will happen in the playoffs. If you decide to do that, you know, like, like this isn't an, an aberration. Yes. The Broncos are a good defense, but if you make some, a stupid play like that, if you try to pass the ball in the red zone, every single down, then that is going to find. Then even if I'm like a peewee football team, I, I know to drop back into coverage then. And I'm just going to wait for you to throw the ball. Um, so I don't know. Really, really dumb things. And I, I don't know whether they're playing with a playbook just because it's the end of the season. Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of EB on the sideline, like starting to make plays. And I, I don't know if that's on purpose, because in the beginning of the season, it was definitely Andy Reid. Right. We were seeing Andy Reid. So we have the first 15 and then and then you also have like Andy Reid calling plays. I'm seeing a lot of EB these past couple of weeks. Um, and unfortunately, but it's weird because like, isn't EB's MO to run the ball? So why, you know, I don't know. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I I don't know either. I mean, like you said, he's, he's a former running back and running backs coach. So you think that he'd be some sort of whisperer to be getting the most out of Isaiah Pacheco and those guys, not to take away from what Jarek McKinnon has been doing, but he's been doing that more in the screen passing game and the swing passes more than running the football. But I just don't know. It's, you know, you kind of alluded to it being in the red zone. I don't have actual numbers on this, unfortunately. But anytime we get a first in goal and it's from probably the six to ten yard range, I'm like, wow, I can't wait for us to throw it three straight times and kick a field goal. I mean, that's exactly what it feels like. It, we need that extra first down inside the five. time we have a big play and it gets stopped on like the nine yard line, I'm like, well, crap. OK, it's three points instead of seven. Now let's just get on with it. But even with, like we said, with special teams playing as sloppy as they are, you can't even guarantee a three points now, and that's... I don't know, man. This team's this team's incredibly frustrating at this <laughs> point in the season.
0: Yeah, it's it's frustrating and like what's what's positive is that this um I, I still stand true that like when we're at our best, we're definitely the best in the NFL when it comes to our offense. And like the the fact that we have this perfect mix of Jared McKinnon and running the ball with Isaiah Pacheco and having that balance, this is probably the best balance that I've ever seen in a Patrick Mahomes offense. So when that's working, it, it really is great. I mean, you got Isaiah Pacheco running down the field, you got um Jared McKinnon on the floor. And then you obviously have Travis Kelsey, and then that opens up stuff for MVS. It opens up for Juju, even Kadarius Tony, which we'll talk about a little later in the positive section. But I mean, like when this this offense is at its peak, I mean it's really freaking awesome. You just have to figure out those things. Um, Let's talk about. Oh, go ahead, Reese. No,
1: no, that's okay. It's okay. You talk.
0: I was going to say let's talk about one more negative thing, and then we'll uh, do the beer, or we can do beer review, or we can talk about some positive stuff. Um, But Joshua Williams is still messing up, man. Joshua Williams, like he's I know. He has growing pains and these young corners will have growing pains, but are we going to let the growing pains happen in the, in the playoffs against the bills, the Bengals? I mean, like, come on, it, it, it makes no sense that you're putting these guys out on the field. And I, I'm still harping on why did we release Rashad Fenton? If we're not getting any value back for him, right? If we had Rashad Fenton at this point, and he is Joshua Williams, like things are a little better. Uh, Joshua Williams had two, you know, really bad um, um, calls on him. He had the, Illegal hands to the face. Um, he also had. Um, he tried to bat down the ball and was flagged against Jerry Judy on a, on a third and six. Like some, you know, it's really stupid mistakes that we're seeing from Joshua Williams and all that. He's just he's not getting coverage. So Reese, what what's your panic meter if we if we have Joshua Williams out there in the playoffs, even a, as a cornerback three?
1: I mean, I don't see a huge difference between like Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. To be honest, all I know is that they should both be depth pieces and that's about it at this point but we've seen it before Spaggs likes to choose his guys and while this isn't like a Ben Neiman Dan Sorensen, absolute like guaranteed six points level of critical whenever he's out there it's like you said there's too many times on third down it's like why do we have Joshua Williams shadowing Jerry Judy it's like I can I could ring off three players off the top of my head you should have shadowing Jerry Judy instead of Joshua Williams but that seems to be the MO. And I don't know if he's like, okay, we're going to keep trying this thing and eventually it's going to work and it's going to be A OK. It's like, well, it might, but this is not going to be the year to do it. And I don't want it to be a case where you wind up in the playoffs. We put Joshua Williams on Tyree kill over playing the dolphins and Tyree goes off for like 240 yards on him.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that that's my only concern is that he's, he's featuring Joshua Williams. He's featuring Jalen Watson in, in this. And it's not that he's a depth piece and that he is like, okay, you're going to be playing on a third and six. You're going to be playing on fourth down. Like those are those, you know, I don't understand why, especially when we have Trent McDuffie, especially when we have LeJarious Snead playing really well, you know, they're, they're doing extremely well. I think if, if, if um Spaggs tones down the blitz packages so that Lejerius Sneed is not blitzing and he can play in coverage, like that makes things so much better. Instead you have Lejarius Sneed, you know, blitzing and you have quarterbacks that are decent like Russell Wilson that are gonna see, okay, Legarius Snead's coming, that means that Joshua Williams is in coverage now. Bada big you know bada boom so hopefully those things get fixed and that they play a little bit more conservatively in this in this respect play a little more conservatively right Like trust trust your front four you know things are things are actually really happening you know chris chris jones is finding his own george Karloftis is finally getting to the quarterback i've said it all year that george Karloftis is good he just needs an extra second to get to the quarterback oh yeah Um, and then we're seeing mike dana we're seeing um Kaylin saunders like really stepping up as well trust the front four to rush and really just drop back into coverage and 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 use these guys the way they're supposed to be used.
1: You know, I'm glad you mentioned Karloftis there because Karloftis does have four sacks in the last five games, I believe it is. So, I mean, he's really starting to come on it like – come to his own he's a big hard-working tenacious guy who never gives up on a play and good things are starting to happen not everyone's going to be like a sub two and a half second get to the quarterback and throw him back five yards type dude it's just,
0: that's not how it is yeah and and I think at one point he he had the most pressures as a NFL rookie like more than Aiden Hutchinson and more than like Kalen Thibodeau um, so he's been really impressive and even though you haven't seen it in the stats you've you've seen it on the field and that's why I said from week one I was like this dude is going to take over this job like it's only a matter of time and finally we're trying to and finally we're seeing it which is really nice um, so that's a good thing let's talk about another good thing Reese even if even Patrick Mahomes not having you know having an off day his off day is 328 yards three interse- uh, three touchdowns in that mm. one you know that one bomb interception so uh, Reese tell us about Patrick Mahomes actually uh, talk about if you if you remember that bat down play where they where they he throws the ball oh, yeah. the guy bats it he grabs it and runs like another another like l- legendary or thing to put in the legend of Patrick Mahomes.
1: 99 out of 100 times when you see that play happen where like the quarterback throws the ball and it gets batted back to him, one of two things either happen. Either one, they just like immediately smack the ball down so it's an incomplete pass, or two, they catch it and look like they completely have forgotten the concept of how to run and they just get like obliterated. That one time out of 100, though, is Patrick Mahomes getting the pass batted back to him, spinning out like he's going to roll out the pass, juking the dude, and running for the first down. Guys, I'm going to keep saying it. Patrick Mahomes is built different. He got that that entire pound in him, man. That entire no-kill animal (laughs) shelter with the dogs, man. Patrick (laughs) Mahomes is that guy. It was an incredible play.
0: Yeah, I know it's it, it's great to see Patrick Mahomes again. Like the only the only, and it's not even a knock on Patrick Mahomes; it's just a knock on the offense that there just needs to be a little bit more balance so that he can make those plays down the field. And he was trying to with with MVS with Kadarius Tony. I mean, an, another segue. We're starting to see Kadarius Tony not only as this gadget guy, but also a guy that can make a play down the field. I mean, we saw him against Patrick Sertan. Like he pushed. I mean, it could have questionably been a flag, but like he has the athleticism to to like beef up against pa- Patrick Sertan and make a grab and like a tricky grab too so i don't want to say that i'm Comparing him to Tyree Kill, but this is this is pretty similar to what we saw in the beginning of Tyree Kill's career at the Kansas City Chiefs, where we were saying, "Oh, Ty- Tyree Kill is a is a gadget guy," you know, he's just a slant guy, he's a punt returner. We were saying all these things about Kadarius Tony, and now we're seeing him down the field like we were tri- uh, Tyree Kill at that time. So I'm I'm, I'm not going to say that um, it's a one for one Kadarius Tony Tyreek Hill but boy, are, are are we seeing some strokes of genius from Kadarius?
1: Yeah, there's obviously a connection, between doing Kadarius tony and patrick mahomes that we're liking and we're seeing and i think there's room to grow on that provided he can stay healthy i'm excited to have mccall hardman come back so i think even then mccall hardman can cause yeah. some sort of diversion to get some more of these guys wide open uh yeah i'm very happy with the tony pickup and i'm so thankful we get him for a few more years on his rookie deal because this could be a really exciting connection for the coming years
0: yeah, totally. And not only that, um, but I, I know you're going to disagree with me here, but but we also saw like a couple of good plays from uh, Marquez Valdez Scantley. I know you don't trust his hands. You, th- you think they are some of the worst hands in the NFL, but he's the only guy. Well, now Kadarius Tony is starting to go down the field, but he's the only guy that like Patrick is 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 targeting down the field for huge plays. So if he fixes the hands, I mean, things might go well. Marquez is really interesting because a lot of times it's like he does beat coverage,
1: but either he drops a pass that hits him right in the hands or he's like a step off of the route. And, like, I want to give Patrick the benefit of the doubt in these situations to be like, Patrick didn't yeah. throw that poorly. Marquez was, like, off that route or, like, he was yeah. a step behind or he was a step to the right or something like that. I mean, it sucks because the guy is good for a big reception, but it's kind of like for every good reception he has he has three like dog you have to catch
0: those right mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's i mean there was that one one huge play that he dropped and and even like even the beginning of travis kelsey and patrick mahomes career i i I vaguely remember travis kelsey in an interview say i I just need to spend more time with Pat and just figure out what he wants at certain places. Um, and they, they really figured it out. So I'm hoping that some of those routes, like you said, he was like, you know, five or you know, five or ten yards down the field where he should have been above. Um, I feel like those hopefully are gonna start cleaning themselves up, especially in the playoffs. And like you said, when we get McCole Hardman back, like, gosh, this this offense is gonna be great, man. Like you have like Jeremy Kenneth on one side, you got McCall Hardman on the other side, where they can like both be screening each other, who knows? And then you can have MV. Yes, you can have Justin Watson and you have a Sky Moore like we have so many of these like you know quote unquote gadget guys where we just have a lot of athletes on the field, which is great. Like a lot of fast athletes, and even you know, seg back to Sky more Then we can go to the beer review. Sky Moore having a really great screen game. Like man, he's he's starting to show some toughness, which is cool, right? Like we 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 saw Sky Moore as as a route specialist, but now we're starting to see an athletic Sky Moore and like beat tackles, and that's like all right, let's party.
1: Yeah, if anybody wants to says anything about our rookies, I mean, saying they're underperforming, you know, particularly Sky more it's like guys. Come on, he of anybody, he is looking and playing like a rookie second-round wide receiver out of a max school who has high end. Skymore is exactly what I thought we were going to be getting out of Skymore. The big question is going to be next year. I would already say Skymore looks better this year than McCole Hardman did his rookie season.
0: Yep, for sure.
1: They're they're two different kinds of receivers. You know, he was more of a special teams kind of guy, or like a big play streaky sort of dude. Uh, And you'll expect, like you said, a lot more technical route running, hands, and specificity out of Sky Moore. But I'm excited, dude. Moving on to the future, Sky Moore, Darius Toney, Juju Smith-Schuster, if we can re-sign him. Maybe, uh, gosh, I always want to say Daryl Revis, the the Clemson dude.
0: (laughs) Daryl Revis. Uh,
1: Mary Tyler Moore, Um, what's his name? No. Dustin Ross? Yeah, Justin, Justin Ross. Justin Ross, excuse me, Justin Ross. So... You know, but if, if we did have Mary Tyler Moore in the receiving core, that would fit. It was like Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Mary Tyler Moore, you know, three-named
0: people. So you heard it here first. Mary Tyler Moore, first pick of the Kansas City Chiefs draft. <laughs> let's let let us put a button on this. I want to end this segment with a cold snack take back. I'll let the the music air through over here. I Actually, I don't even know if I... If I said this out loud But I could have said it just between you and I Is that like if it's If it's a player Problem then it's Then it's Brett Veach's fault If it's a scheme problem it's Spag's fault So I like kind of put some blame on Veach I'm like well maybe it's the players that aren't figuring out But Reese Cold Snack Take back look at this year's draft dude Isaiah Pacheco um, Sky Moore Trent McDuffie Leo Chenal. George Karloftis, Brian Cook, like all these guys, other than the names Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, have shown streaks of genius and like they're playing on the field. These aren't guys that are like a year or two away. Like these dudes are playing and making plays on the field. That's a ton of guys in one year's draft. So big, big take back me for me Br- for for Brett Feech. Sorry, Brett Feech. Cold snack take back.
1: I agree with you, Mondo. I think we have a lot of talent that's being misutilized as opposed to having utilize talent that's not very good and it's a lot different on defense than it is on offense because on offense you can have other guys step up you know like sky Moore is still kind of figuring out the ropes well Holmes got three other receivers a tight end and some running backs to dish it to on defense though if you're not knowing your assignment and the defense is too complex or takes two to three years to figure out it's like we don't have that time because if your rookie guy who's not getting it gets burnt then you got to put somebody in there who's not going to get burnt and keep teaching the rookie on the side I know that you know the best skill is baptism by fire and game time and all that stuff, but sometimes you, know, you don't sear ribs. You let them cook low and slow, and by the end, the end result is better than anything you could have hoped for.
0: And do, do, do you know what's good with seared ribs, Reese? What's that? A nice cold beer. So let's go to the beer review segment. Reese is going to review a great beer. We'll see you in a bit.
1: podcast that's right it's this week in craft beer the segment of the show where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer as well as review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure armando it's the first beer review of 2023 i'm so excited to crack open this new year with a cracked open new beer
0: and reese is going to open it with a non-alcoholic beer because it is sober 2023
1: nah dude i, th- I honestly thought about nah, doing I'm just what is it not sober october uh January dry January is that what they call it
0: dry January I think yeah
1: but being a craft beer podcast I'm just like yo I can't stay away from these can't. delicious crushable
0: crispy boys for 31 days so I, I was I was talking to cold cold Sun chief Austin and he said this is the worst time for like the beer industry is January because so many people do dry January
1: oh yeah I can't attest from working in the beer hall I can't attest was that Wayne Greeley too when you were working there like people just, like didn't, yeah yeah
0: well then that was because of weather like weather is just so awful in January mm. that like no one's out there
1: well i can believe that you know it's so funny you mentioned that though because this week's story comes to us out of colorado springs and uh the really yeah the the title of the story is in a widening sea of saturation colorado springs may be a craft beer oasis so our
0: interesting
1: just hearing that headline what's your first thought you're a little skeptical lol
0: (laughs) like craft bureau what does that mean craft bureau oasis (laughs) so
1: the article goes on to explain that particularly in colorado which is understandable they feel the market is getting saturated and that you're seeing more breweries coming up and existing than the demand that exists there for example they uh they cited that in december they saw 500 new breweries open but 200 breweries close. So the question is, do these new guys know what they're getting into? Because we obviously know it's a multi-year process to get a business up and ready for something like that. So, you know, did they invest when it was greener pastures? And now, you know, they have to reap what they sow, but it might not be as fertile of ground as they thought it was.
0: Yeah, so I'll say, so I just moved out of Colorado Springs, but lived there for about three years and worked in the beer industry for one year out of those three years there. And I'll say that... Colorado Springs is probably the most affordable place in. Uh, in the Denver area or even in Colorado so it makes financial sense for more breweries to come down to Colorado Springs because it's, it's too expensive um, to go to Denver and try to make a new brewery and it's too saturated like the article said there's there's too many breweries in Denver and there's too many good breweries in Denver right like why, why would I want to go to a new brewery in Denver when I have you know five staples that are some of the best in America um, unless you're really you have to be just incredibly good in order to have a market in Denver so it makes Makes sense that more people are going down to Colorado Springs it's more affordable and the beer is not as good as it is in denver like again still good right but if you're if if your barometer of success is one of the best cities in america for beer then like it makes sense that more breweries are coming to colorado springs i would just like to see the quality get better in colorado springs like i do agree that it's becoming an oasis but but an oasis is good right if i'm going to an oasis i want you know a good beer i want a good beach or whatever and i feel like that's what Colorado Springs is missing right now. Like they, they don't have a lot of GABF winners. You know, they don't have a lot of places that are like really have some clean pilsners and some really fun IPAs. Um, so that's the last thing I want to see. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with it that I've seen a, a huge surplus in in the beer industry in Colorado Springs.
1: So I think what's really interesting is the way they define saturation in the article. Uh, they say it's where the industry's demand and growth outpaces the population's growth and or demand. Oh. Which I think, if you're looking at Denver, I think that's really fair. Denver obviously is a growing city, but at what point, you know, is the person to brewery ratio too high? Because I th- I think right now in Kansas City, I think Kansas City is a good sized city for growth in the craft beer industry. Because I'd say there's probably like. You know, maybe 10 breweries. I'm like, yeah, you come to Kansas City, you got to hit those up. I think there's still room for one or two more good breweries to kind of pop up and, you know, set roots and start growing before it's like there's too many breweries in Kansas City and not enough people. Uh, They even cite that in this article, talking about how part of where the Oasis comes from is that there are companies in Denver and other places, kind of in that, you know, massive extended Denver metro, like you're talking about, that see the open opportunity in Colorado Springs and are looking to move down and put like an expansion tap room in that area. They even yeah. cite the Greeley project for the, the project for a uh, weld works that fell through. In the articles. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Weldworks fell through, and actually, a new a brewery in um, Denver is taking that same plot called Westfax. I think it's called. Bingo. Um, so yeah, so they they're like, okay, well, they already started, you know, work on it. So let's just let's just keep going because it is a great location. It's in Old Colorado City, which is. Um, just like um, how to describe it. It's similar to maybe Waldo, you know, a little, mm-hmm. a little older town that has some, you know, has some history um, and people still go to that town. Um, so it's a really great place to start. And it's also really close to Garden of the Gods, which is really, you know, really nice. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Colorado Springs. Good luck. Well,
1: kind of as we alluded to last thing, they said uh, just a quote here. All of a sudden, all those breweries that were in planning since 2019 are all starting to go through the process and open their doors. As for those who'd already opened their doors pre pandemic, I think it feels that a lot of breweries I know that were doing really well up here are still doing fine. They're not seeing significant growth anymore. So it sounds like they're not totally saturated, but kind of as we alluded to earlier, you know, there's a difference between planning back in 2018, 2019, and now you got to get going. And as we know, consumer trends and everything post pandemic in the beer industry is completely different than it was beforehand. So there's space to grow, there's space for new colorado springs breweries to set their roots they don't think they're at the point of no return yet
0: yeah no i think i i think people don't realize how much it helped the beer industry to have to-go beers and how much people really enjoy drinking at home, as opposed to like going out to Chicken and Pickle or going, you know. Of course, our generation will still do that, but I, I think like the younger generation and even just a year older than us—we're not a year older than us, but a generation older than us—like really enjoy drinking at home. So that really helped the beer industry, and I, I can see how that helped with growth. And now it's plateaued. Speaking of drinking at home and to-go beers in the new year go. in
1: January twenty twenty-one. <laughs> armando i'm vowing to take more risks and be a man of second opportunities and more open-mindedness this year
0: what does this mean are you gonna have like a weird funky sour ale right now
1: (laughs) i think beers that are hard to get at home are highly coveted and i think that kind of adds to their like tall tale and alluredness if that's even no just allure oh totally yeah uh armando do you know how i feel about new glarus spotted cow
0: have i ever mentioned that to you Oh, yeah. Uh, Spotted Cow is the one from Iowa, right? No, it's, uh, it's Chicago? Uh,
1: New Glarus is up in Wisconsin.
0: Okay, that's right, and Northern. Got it. Yep, I've, I'm familiar with them, but I've never had it. So, have I ever told you my thoughts
1: on Spotted Cow, which is like their flagship beer? No. <sighs> so, I've mentioned this to the people before. The big thing about New Glarus is that they're a, they are a significant size craft brewery. I think they're in the top 10 to 15 largest craft breweries in the country. But... Huh. They only distribute within the state of Wisconsin. So, anybody that goes up to Wisconsin, they're always like, you know, they tell their buddy, like, hey, bring back a case of Spotted Cow, bring back a case of Spotted Cow. And they do. Now, I've had Spotted Cow multiple times through my life. I've had it back when I was in college. I've had it when I started working at the brewery. I've had it, you know, as a seasoned beer taster working at a brewery for four plus years. And I have to tell you, I think Spotted Cow, I just don't get it. I seriously do not get it. I've tried it multiple times, and to me, I'm like, it's an ale. It, I mean, it, it tastes like Coors Banquet, or you know, Coors a lager, or, uh, but you know, any sort of just basic ale. I don't get it. Yeah. I read the description like, oh, there's there's fruity notes, and this is. I'm like, no, it. Ta- this 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 beer tastes like beer. It is a beer that tastes like beer in that sense, which I know is a sentence you never say about craft beer, but this beer tastes like beer. The end. <laughs> As you can see, okay, I'm pretty fired. On. I'm pretty fired up about New Glarus. I have very strong opinions about that. That being said, I now have a sister that lives in Wisconsin. So when she came down for Christmas, she asked if I wanted anything, and all I said was, "Could you please bring me a few New Glarus beers that are not Spotted Cow, because I want ah. to give that brewery a fifth shot. You know, I've I've had Spotted Cow so much, maybe that beer just doesn't gel with me. Uh. You know, so today, turning a new leaf from New Glarus Brewing Company in Wisconsin, I have two women. It is a Hellas style beer. So okay, if the Germanic Wisconsinites should know anything, it should be making oh, Germanic style They should style
0: know Hellas and Pilsners, absolutely. So in
1: ales and ales and ales and ale, I am hoping that this Hellas, man, is going to take me to heaven. That's all I'm gonna say.
0: <laughs> all right, as as Reese opens that beer, just so everybody knows, we uh, review beers of different categories, starting with appearance, then um aroma then flavor then mouthfeel then aftertaste and then our ever-changing category uh stonks drinkability quotient how awesome is this beer how does this beer make you feel reese is already um, in awe of this pour so let's get right into it reese tell us about what what you're seeing in that pour with appearance
1: This is the absolute cleanest beer I've ever seen
0: in my life. Oh, my gosh. My dad looks very clean. I'm
1: talking to you through my beer, and I can still see your mouth move through, like, the warp perspective. I can see your mouth move as well. (laughs) This is incredible. Uh, Beautiful, uniform, pillowy head on top. Uh, Yeah, about an inch ahead. It's kind of sneaking away. It's a gorgeous straw color. You see a little bit of carbonation moving on in the glass. Uh, ladies and gentlemen let's get this right out of the way real fast this is a 10 on appearance you you can't wow you can't make a better looking hellas than this you just can't
0: yeah that looks beautiful a really good gold color and i can see the the carbonation on the top looks really good as well
1: just that last splash thrown in there looks (laughs) like from a beer commercial with like cold as the rockies you know you toss in there you got that like carbonation (laughs) that just like escapes you oh this is gorgeous yeah 10
0: wow Wow. Wonderful. And for those of you that are new to the new to the show, Reese never gives 10. So this is already well Reese is this is redemption January for this brewery for Reese okay Reese let's talk about aroma what do you although you're still doing appearance you can keep talking appearance if you want you look like you're in a trance I'll
1: move on but like I, I can like see the like the the hundredth and thousandth seconds in my garage band moving through this glass like it's it's just that clear I can't believe it this is incredible
0: and 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 Reese is not on drugs or anything this is this is sober Reese for now
1: I'm I'm high on life
0: there you go all right aroma Reese give us to smell let us know what you're smelling
1: yeah, definitely it's got that lager smell to it. You know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of hot bitterness in there. Kind of a crackery uh kind of a crackery nose to it. Yeah. I think it it smells good. It smells like what I want a Hellas to smell like. I'm not gonna, you know, wax poetic on that like I did the appearance of it. So I'm just gonna give it uh let's say it's a solid eight point three. On
0: aroma, all right, eight point three on aroma, excellent. Um, sweet, our favorite category. Let's see if it uh, matches up to the appearance, flavor, Reese. What is it? What does it taste like? Does it live up to the to the Germanic Wisconsin Hellas standard?
1: Oh yeah, baby. Oh <laughs> baby. Okay. Yavol dog. Damn I wow. wish I had more of this for you. Oh, he would just love this beer so much, dude. He would love this beer so much.
0: I wonder if I can get on Tavor.
1: I mean, uh, I mean, uh, I, I really don't know. Um, clean, crackery, delicious. Uh, nice little bit of hot bitterness in there. Yeah, that. I mean, if you like, give me Wisconsin in a glass. That's what it tastes like, baby. Uh, a little like an itty bitty bit of barnyardiness. Which is totally fine. It's a hellas after all. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give that f- one more sip on that flavor. Oh, dog! You would uh, this beer is certified crushable right off the bat. We're giving that right now. Jeez, that's delicious. Uh, flavor wise, that's a ooh, that's a nine
0: four. Ooh, oh my goodness! Also, a when's the last time you've even done a nine on flavor? That's this is high remarks for Reese. It's been a while. Yeah, 10 and 9.4. Oh my goodness. All right, let's let's keep this train going, Reese. What is the mouthfeel of this beer? It's a sparkling mouthfeel.
1: Uh slightly heavier than like drinking a LaCroix, so you don't get that like nasty, seltzery quality to it. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, a lighter mouthfeel overall. It's as light as it is clean. I will say that. Uh, sparkly carbonation, very easy to drink. I'll give mouthfeel on this a eight point eight, baby.
0: Ooh, 8.8. 8, all right, pretty solid. All high remarks all around. Great beer review thus far. Reese, what is the aftertaste on this beer?
1: The aftertaste is what I like, baby. Like I said, like my malta front, my hops out back on my IPAs. Same thing goes for my Hellas. Hellas being a little bit hoppier of a lager than your standard Pilsner, be it Czech or German. But, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of like, I think a bit of a grapefruity notes from the hops. I'm not exactly sure what mm. they use in here uh grapefruit a little bit earthiness like no dank qualities to it which is great that's what you want a clean beer uh yeah it drinks 2 phased exactly like i like my lagers too so i'm gonna give this probably another 8.9 on aftertaste baby
0: eight point on an aftertaste excellent and then last but not least we are gonna do stonks drinkability quotient how does this beer make you feel stonks up stonks down what's the stonks
1: So I mentioned, this being a new year, new me, uh, and I'm willing to try and be nicer to New Glarus, uh, I would like to say I would now like to remove my uh, disdain and ire from Spotted Cow to the beer nerds that think Spotted Cow is the be all end all. What they're doing is being a scarecrow to New Glarus by keeping people away from New Glarus, saying spotted cow's the best thing on earth, and you drink and you're like, no, it's not. It's a very average beer. They're simply hiding this stuff, Armando. This is a fantastic beer from a company I'm happy to say. New Glarus is making some seriously good material. I got two more uh, New Glarus hiding in in my closet. I got a pale ale, and I can't remember what the other one is. But I look forward to drinking those. But I have to say, back in my good gla- graces, it's going to be my guy New Glarus over here. I think I would also like to read what they have written on the label. Uh, I like that uh, New Glarus is a very distinct label. That when you see it, it's kind of like a multi-ombre uh, shade of cream and yellow. And they also have uh, hand-drawn art designs on there, and they also have like a paragraph of copy. This says. 4,000 years before Christ, Sumerian women created the divine drink of beer. <laughs> Viking women brewed in Norse Soci- society. European alewives were so successful as cottage brewers, they were taxed. Artisanal women lost their d- domination of the daily ritual of brewing during the Industrial Revolution. Today's brewing trade is controlled by men. The collaboration of two craft companies, both led by women, New Glares Brewing and Wehrman Malting, is unique. You hold the result, two women, a classic lager brewed by Wehrman Malting. And uh, unfortunately, what sucks is the sticker for the mix six they put over this Mm -hmm. uh, pulled up some of the label. So they say what hops are in there, but I can't read it because it's pulled up by the label. So fie on whoever did this. I'll look it up online. So that's a collaboration. We know they got good stuff. Stark drinkability quotient for this beer for changing my mind on New Glarus is going to be a very solid
0: 9.3. Oh my goodness. Reese, you have done such a good beer review and with high remarks, I have to ask, um, does this fall into any category of, of our um, Mount Crushmore or even the summit of Mount Crushmore?
1: I'd love to. Unfortunately, I don't think it tops the Pilsner from Bierstadt. But it's definitely in that category. It's going to wow. be, you know, it's 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 kind of like looking at all-time NFL quarterbacks. And, you know, Peyton Manning's got to be in, at the very least your top five, if not top three. You know, those are like the elite, right. the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. But if you throw up there, too, you're like, dude, Dan Marino, uh, uh, Drew Brees, those kind of guys. It's like, yeah, they might not be like the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, but they're right up there, dude. It's like there's not many quarterbacks better than that. That's where this lager sits right now. It's on the summit, and if not for having an all-timer ahead of it, I think – it would have its place uh, in the conversation for Mount Crushmore. I still can't get over how clean this is.
0: <laughs> clean beer still has a bit of head, too, so that's that's amazing. Um, I can't wait to try it. I'm going to I'm gonna have to find it somewhere. I mean, like I said, it might be on Tavor, like one of those selling sites that I might be able to get it, but after this beer review, I have to grab some. Everyone in Kansas City, find it. If you're in Wisconsin, if we have a Wisconsin contingent that listens to this podcast, go out and get it now. Comment on Instagram. Let us know how much you like that beer, and we'll see you soon. Reese, let's segue out of this and go into. Um, um, the last game of the the season, the chiefs and the Raiders and we'll end it there. Stay tuned. the new Glaris Pills or sorry the new Glaris Hellas that Reese just had is incredible so please if you find it anywhere let us know we're probably going to buy it off of you because that's amazing um, to finish the podcast let's talk about hopefully what's going to be an amazing ending for the Kansas City Chiefs again we've only lost three games so we're actually been a really good season we're just very hypercritical um, oh and our eyes are always on the Super Bowl. So, of course, the standard of the Kansas City Chiefs should always be the Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, next week we play the Raiders on Saturday, actually. Reese, what are your expectations for this game? Uh, we have Derek Carr is now being benched for uh, Jared Stidham. And, but they still have Devontae Adams. They still have Josh Jacobs. What do you think is going to happen to this game?
1: Oh boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It's hard to say since they just took the 49ers to overtime last week. Uh, especially dropping 34 points on that defense. But as we've seen, that 49ers D, while well-disciplined, can be sus at times. Um, you know, so I don't know what to think of Jarrett Stidham yet. That was f- f- far and away the best game he's played in the National Football League since joining. 23 of 34, 365 yards, three touchdowns, two INTs. And they still put up 34 points. And Josh Jacobs was quiet. 17 carries for 69 yards. It's It's going to be really interesting. We're going to be at their place. The question is gonna be, do they want to beat us more than they want to keep their draft position right now? You know, they are six and ten, so they're not gonna get like a super high lottery pick, but if you go seven and ten and a few other teams wanna tank this weekend, suddenly you could be drafting, you know, in the upper half of the draft, which I don't think an organization like the Raiders wanna do, especially when they're kneecapped and hamstrung for draft picks the way they are for getting Devontae Adams. So I don't know. What do you think is going to happen?
0: Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Stidham, Stidham played for um, uh, played for the head coach, for Raiders head coach of the Patriots, right? I, Josh McDaniel?
1: Yes. He was there as, like, Cam Newton's half backup, sort of. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: I see. I wonder if Josh McDaniel actually was a part of the recruiting process for Stidham and actually see something in him that he's trying to, not that they're trying to tank, but he actually thinks there's something there and maybe he's trying to figure it out. Like, again, like you said, 365 yards, three touchdowns against a really good 49ers defense. Like, like that's not bad. So I think that they're going to play to win. Um, I don't, I don't think that one game is going to determine what happens. And a thing I think I want to bring up too that. I was hearing on another podcast is, like there is no bad team anymore once you get to week 18 because they have so much film on everyone. Like, Teams are bad in the beginning of the year because they don't know what the Chiefs are going to do, what the 49ers are going to do, um, what the Vikings are going to do. Right, And Vikings are actually a good example of this. It's like there's so much film now is what a team looks like that even teams like the Texans, the teams like the Raiders, uh, teams like the Broncos, like can have a pretty good plan against you, even if they're not as good as you. Like they've seen enough film that they know what you want to do. Um, and I feel like the Raiders have years of film on the Chiefs but even more so they really know what the Chiefs want to do so I, I think it, it's still going to be a good game um, I I hope I pray that this is the like you know Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of this league and this game will solidify it like if if, if he keeps throwing stupid plays if, if it's not a balanced offense and he's throwing 60 times and he throws a couple interceptions that could screw his chances up so I really hope this is a definitive Chiefs win for Patrick Mahomes to be the MVP of this league but also just to have some semblance of like okay this team's ready for the playoffs because we really need that um so we'll see i'm i'm that that is my hope i'm hoping it's a blowout
1: you know i am want to jump in here real quick you're mentioning mahomes mvp odds this is something we should touch down on this podcast still yeah so unless mahomes goes out there and like completely poops his pants i mean i'm talking like A 270 yard day, one touchdown, three interceptions, or even less yards, maybe. It's like, who's going to get the MVP? It's like, Jalen Hurts has missed two, maybe three games. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are looking like they're probably going to be missing one game, you know, because of what happened. It's like, Mm -hmm. do you give it to like Justin Jefferson at that point? But they just got blown out. It's like, got a bad game, man. Look, I don't want to say Mahomes is locked up because, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, but it's just like, does Mahomes just have to go out there and go, like, 250 yards one for one and win the game?
0: I mean, uh, again, like, like you said, we don't know if, if they're going to play the Bills-Bengals game. But, like, say, like, and again, it's not appropriate to speculate. But let's speculate just quickly. Say they do play and Josh Allen has an incredible game. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, that's really tricky. So I would say, like, put a nail in the coffin. Let's, let's, let's fire it up let's have the best offensive showing that we've ever had let's have the best defensive showing because we can with Jared Stidham there right Jared there was two interceptions in that game against the 49ers so let's let's put a button on it let's let's beat the Raiders definitively let let Patrick Mahomes be the undisputed MVP let's light up Jared Stidham in a in an appropriate way not in a not in a hurt him way by the way <laughs> um, and let's you know let's let's do this
1: yeah i'm uh i think it's gonna be an interesting game especially since you know darren waller's coming back from injury and he's starting to show flash flashes what he used to be yeah. uh spam Devonte adams is back on the menu <laughs> uh,
0: seven receptions 153 yards two touchdowns that i mean the
1: last game you know, again it's gonna be the question of are we gonna be putting joshua williams on Devonte adams all game particularly oh on third downs because that's such a great idea good night um No, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, last three games, the Josh Jacobs train has kind of slowed down. He's got 22 Mm -hmm. carries for 93 yards, 15 carries for 44 yards, and 17 carries for 69 yards. So who's going to beat us? Do you think Stidham's going to go off and have, like, uh, Stid sanity? Or do you think that Josh Jacobs is going to get his back and he's going to run all over us?
0: They could be a combination of both. I mean, our 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 run defense is hot and cold, so we can get a bat I mean, Josh Jacob is running us before; he can run us again, and if Stidham can just spam Devontae Williams or sorry, Devontae Adams against Jalen Watson against a Joshua Williams then yeah it's over I mean I mean he 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 can have three touchdowns in that game easily if if on a third and six we have Joshua Williams playing press man against Devontae Adams which we know Spags will do like Spag will do stupid things like that Uh, I would love to see just you know McDuffie or Snead on the left and right side just you know shadowing them him the entire time because that's also a boost for our our, for our defense too if we can have a shutdown game from McDuffie or from Snead on Devontae Adams then this defense Looks different. Then we're like, okay, if we can do that against the Bills, we can do that against the Bengals. Like things look good.
1: Well, here's one more thing to take into account. Uh, Legere Sneed, day to day with a hip pointer injury after oh, he that's suffered right. on that uh, Cortland Sutton hit after that INT.
0: Yeah, so, I don't think he was at practice today either.
1: So we might be getting a more healthy dose of McDuffie Watson Williams. In which okay. case I would want Watson probably covering Devontae Adams if we're not gonna put McDuffie on. Yeah, him. he's a little more athletic. But maybe that's yeah, a little speedier. Might force Spag's hand in those regards. He might have to put McDuffie on there if he's got those two dudes out uh, two rookies out there.
0: Oh boy. Well now now it's making me scared. Uh, Reese, what is what is your score prediction?
1: <sighs> Hold on, what was the score in the first game this year? Uh 30 29. So it was thirty twenty-nine first time we played. Uh Good gravy. Give me the... <laughs> what's, that guy, what's that? What's that? Three touchdowns? Th- no. Yeah, three touchdowns, three field goals. I don't think we're getting three field goals they are special teams right now. Give me... Give me 31. 31 to 29, Chiefs. Ooh.
0: Mine's actually going to be pretty close. I'm going to say 35 21 Chiefs with a definitive like four touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Um, hopefully, like a, a Joshua Williams um booster interception mm. or like a pick six would be great. Uh, again, this is just hopeful. This is, I have no stats to back any of this up. It could be completely different, but yeah, but hey, yeah, let's, let's be hopeful. 35 21 Chiefs.
1: Love it. I wouldn't be upset. Just, Give me a give me a garbage time touchdown over the Raiders like thirty seconds left so it's just like the game's <laughs> over at that point and I can just be like celebrating all that stuff it would be great
0: oh yeah no it it'd be nice for a fourth quarter just chilling out um so yeah we'll see what happens and of course we're gonna monitor what happens with the Bills and Bengals I know we didn't touch on the big elephant in the room you know what happens to the Chiefs seeding because of the Bills and Bengals game but again we just didn't think that it'd be appropriate to really dive into that because right now the health of Demar Hamlin is the most important thing um but just so you know we are we are monitoring that situation and once you know things start to simmer down and we start to see improved health from uh, Demar Hamlin. Then maybe next week we can talk about the seating imp- implications of a rematch between the Bills and the Bengals. Uh, but for now, we're going to leave that there. And again, prayers for Demar Hamlin. Thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate it. This was, you know, uh, one of uh, you know a very unique episode because of the Demar Hamlin situation. But uh, we uh, appreciate you being here talking with us uh, about it. So stay tuned for next week. Hopefully, we have better news with Demar Hamlin and better news for the Kansas City Chiefs. See you later. Go Chiefs
1: we would like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to get access to premium content, including bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and Speedy and Angry, our latest 10 part mini series into the Fast and Furious franchise. Check us out on social media at Fountain City SM for info on the podcast, memes, and of course, the goings on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for performing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.